Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though, and links to all of those resources are in the show notes. Rachel and I am obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition and menstrual cycle health will dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. You've finally figured out fertile mucus. You finally feel like you can identify your fertile window and you finally have the timing right, but you're still not getting pregnant. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fertility Co podcast. So last week I was working with a client who was having this exact experience and there was one thing at the top of my mind the whole time that I want to share with you in today's episode. Once you've figured out the basics of charting and understanding your cycle, the next step is to look back at your completed chart and figure out if that cycle was actually fertile. Because without a fertile cycle, well, it's going to be tricky to get pregnant. There are three key reasons why your cycle may not be fertile, but there are also three really easy ways to fix this too. So in this podcast episode, I'm sharing the three reasons why your cycle isn't fertile and what actually makes a cycle fertile in the first place so that you won't fall into these traps too and know exactly what to look out for if you're thinking this could be your problem. Reason number one is that your luteal phase is too short. So the luteal phase begins after ovulation until the first day of your next period. It usually lasts anywhere between 10 to 17 days and its duration doesn't vary much between cycles. So this is great because once you've charted your cycle for a couple of months, you'll be able to determine the length of your luteal phase. This means you can confirm ovulation and then work out the day that your next period is due to arrive, which means no more taking a pregnancy test too early, which reduces that unnecessary stress and the tears that go along with it. Say, for example, I knew that my luteal phase was around 12 to 13 days every cycle. 
my follicular phase before ovulation might be all over the place and it might be a different length every cycle for any number of reasons. But the luteal phase is usually very consistent, which means it doesn't matter if I confirm ovulation on day 12 or on day 17. I know that I can count ahead 12 to 13 days and know when my next period is due. So if I'm trying to conceive, I know whether my period is actually late and when I can take a pregnancy test for the most accurate results. Or I know that it's not actually late, but that I actually ovulated later this month, meaning it will be a longer cycle and my period will arrive later. Let's talk about why the length of your luteal phase matters. And it matters so much that I did an entire podcast episode on this. So episode 41, why the length of your luteal phase matters. And we also did a deep dive into this phase of the cycle in my menstrual cycle masterclass series. So I'll make sure I link to both of those in our show notes as well. Once the egg has been released from the follicle at ovulation, the follicle that remains in the ovary becomes the corpus luteum. So this has its own blood supply and it's responsible for releasing progesterone, which is why progesterone surges after ovulation. Progesterone also releases heat, which is why we get that upward surge in our basal body temperature after ovulation and why your basal body temperature drops again when your next period is due, as progesterone levels will drop suddenly when the body realizes that it's not pregnant. This is all because progesterone is essential for maintaining pregnancy. The corpus luteum will continue to produce progesterone during the first three months of pregnancy until the placenta eventually takes over. If the egg is not fertilized, the corpus luteum will break down during the luteal phase as menstruation approaches. This will cause progesterone levels to drop. So we'll see that drop in progesterone in the drop in our basal body temperature. And this is also the stage where many women will experience those traditional PMS symptoms like cramping, headaches, bloating, all of that sort of thing because of that sudden drop in progesterone. So not only does progesterone cause that upward shift in basal body temperature after ovulation, it also stimulates glands in the cervix to produce that thick, sticky mucus that forms a new mucus plug to block sperm entry into the cervix. While it's surging estrogen levels before ovulation that promote that production of wet, slippery, fertile quality mucus. We want the length of your luteal phase to be anywhere between 10 to 17 days. If it's 18 days or over, then you are most likely pregnant. So once you hit 18 days past ovulation, it is time to take a pregnancy test. But of course, it is possible for your luteal phase to be less than about 10 to 11 days too. And this is where potential issues with conception can occur. Think about all of the processes that happen during the luteal phase. We need our luteal phase to be long enough to give time for the endometrium to prepare for implantation and thicken up. We need time for that fertilized egg to travel down the fallopian tube and implant into the endometrium. If the luteal phase is too short, and you might have heard this called a luteal phase defect, then the endometrium is already closing up shop thinking no egg has been fertilized and so it will start to prepare for menstruation while the fertilized egg is still making its way to it. So a short luteal phase will increase your chance that implantation may not occur. It may also increase your chance of miscarriage or what's known as a chemical pregnancy. So this is a very early miscarriage within about the first five weeks where the egg has been fertilized and an embryo has formed and it may even embed into the endometrium, but then it stops developing. This can often happen before a woman even knows she's pregnant and might only be detected if she's routinely taking pregnancy tests. So that's why we ideally want a luteal phase no shorter than 10 or 11 days. That's the length we need to consider it a fertile cycle. 
A shorter luteal phase might indicate low progesterone levels, which is incredibly common after coming off hormonal birth control. Ultimately, a short luteal phase means the endometrium just doesn't have the time it needs to thicken and develop to support an embryo and implantation, so you struggle to get and stay pregnant. So if that's the case, are longer cycles more fertile? Not necessarily, which brings us to reason number two. You're not ovulating consistently. Ovulation, we know, is necessary for pregnancy. It occurs around halfway through your menstrual cycle, but we also know it doesn't always occur on day 14, and it doesn't occur on the same day every cycle. This is why the length of your cycle will vary among women and also from month to month in an individual woman. The follicular phase is the window of time before ovulation actually occurs, and it starts immediately from the end of your period until we can confirm ovulation. We're not fertile during the follicular phase because we have minimal cervical mucus and our cervix is blocked off to sperm with that thick, sticky mucus plug that progesterone caused the cervix glands to produce. So towards the end of the follicular phase in a typical healthy fertile cycle, mucus will change from minimal or dry and quite sticky and you'll start to see a fertile quality mucus that's wet, slippery and indicates the beginning of your fertile window. Estrogen levels peak around ovulation, which is what causes those glands in the cervix to produce this fertile mucus, and ideally you will see this until ovulation occurs. Then the following day, your mucus pattern will change again, and you'll be back to seeing minimal mucus or a transition to a more sticky and dry mucus, and the sudden change between the two types of mucus is quite obvious. However, for any number of reasons, the body might need to attempt ovulation more than once for it to be successful. And you'll pick this up by noticing everything that I just described, but then that fertile quality mucus will come back and then it will dry up again. And this can happen any number of times until ovulation is actually successful or the body gives up for this cycle, which can also happen. And you might then experience an anovulatory cycle with bleeding caused by excessive buildup of the endometrium, which can no longer sustain itself. The shift from wet to dry and back to wet again is called a stress pattern cycle. And we see this when a woman is experiencing physical or psychological stress. So legitimate stress, excessive exercise and elite athletes, illness. This is also typical of a cycle of a woman who has PCOS or polycystic ovaries. So you're getting all the hallmarks of ovulation, but it may not be happening. This is why I don't like ovulation testing for irregular cycles, because you might see the surge in hormones and think that ovulation has happened and then completely miss the successful ovulation attempt that might have happened a few days or a week later because you'll get the surge of hormones with every attempt. This is why women with PCOS and polycystic ovaries may struggle to conceive, but pregnancy isn't impossible. It's just harder to get the timing right, along with those other factors that also come with having these conditions. This is also really common as your fertility returns after having a baby. It's perfectly normal, but as I am currently learning, it can make tracking and understanding your cycle a lot more difficult. It's really important to highlight here that when we have a longer cycle and our bodies attempt ovulation multiple times, the egg that is released isn't lesser quality or old because it's still matured and has been released at the right time for its development. So if you do conceive on attempt number two, for example, you're not conceiving with a poorer quality egg. This is why multiple eggs will start to develop and mature with every menstrual cycle. So we have a built-in backup just in case. Remember the biology 
here. We are all about reproduction of the species. So our body has these built-in mechanisms as a backup, as, as an insurance policy. The problem with our longer cycles is that they make identifying the fertile window more difficult. The other problem is that the longer we spend in the follicular phase, the more our estrogen levels will build up because estrogen levels gradually rise and then peak as ovulation approaches. And progesterone levels stay really quite low in the first half of the cycle because this hormone isn't needed. It doesn't peak until after ovulation has happened. This is the pregnancy hormone after all. So we're spending most of our cycle in this imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. We're in an estrogen dominant state and our endometrium is building up and thickening to prepare for ovulation that's taking far longer than expected. This leads to spotting and breakthrough bleeding. What's more, this state of estrogen dominance isn't healthy for our hormone balance, and we see this in symptoms like bloating, sore breasts, mood changes, low libido, heavy periods, headaches, migraines, fibroids, and of course, irregular cycles. Excess estrogen and low progesterone go hand in hand with more time spent in the follicular phase. We know that low progesterone levels lead to a shorter luteal phase, so our cycle becomes very unbalanced with a really long follicular phase and a super short luteal phase, and round and round the cycle goes. The problem as well here with a long follicular phase and a shorter than expected luteal phase mean that our total cycle length may not actually be impacted all that much, which means if you're not charting your cycle and looking out for ovulation and working out the length of your luteal phase, you might have no idea this is actually happening. Let's move on now to reason number three. You are not thinking about fertility as the bigger picture. You're only thinking about fertility as making babies. More often than not, we don't even start to think about our fertility or as ourselves as fertile beings until we start thinking about having a baby and family planning. But your fertility is so much more than that. And I've really started to focus on this idea a lot more lately because it's so important to think of your fertility as a state of health. It's your potential to conceive if and when the timing is right for you. So a fertile body is the highest state of health. So it's a body in optimal condition and your hormones are the very first point of disruption when the body is under any form of physical, psychological stress. So even if you're not trying to conceive and you're seeing these types of concerns, you still want your cycle to be fertile because it's all about the long game and a fertile cycle means that you have good general health and it ultimately reduces your risk of chronic disease long after you've gotten pregnant and you're done having babies. Both a short luteal phase and a long follicular phase are the result of hormone disruption. So usually this is excess estrogen and low progesterone, like I've said, and we need these hormones to be in balance for a healthy cycle and for optimal ovulation because hormone disruption will impact ovulation and your menstrual cycle. And if you don't understand ovulation and your cycle, then you may never know it was impacted. Like I said, especially if that long follicular phase and the short luteal phase cancel each other out, so your cycle is still considered to be in that normal length. It's more noticeable, of course, if your cycles start to exceed 40, 50, 60 days, but it doesn't always have to be like this. So when you think about fertility as a state of health and an indicator of your current health status and as your menstrual cycle as that vital sign, then it's really easy to think about how this can be improved with that right support, tools and guidance. 
So what did what do you do if your cycle isn't fertile? If you're looking back on your charts and you're noticing a luteal phase that's shorter than 10 to 17 days or a longer than expected follicular phase with multiple attempts at ovulation, it's time to do something about your hormone balance. This is where we want to start. Estrogen dominance isn't necessarily caused by our bodies producing too much estrogen, but it can also be caused by other external factors that influence our estrogen levels. Excess estrogen, and as a result, low progesterone, is usually caused by three key factors, environmental pollutants and hormone disruptors, stress, and diet. So what we need to do is to manage this and We manage this by reducing estrogen levels and then progesterone will follow along with it to restore balance between these two key sex hormones. So the first step is to eliminate hormone disruptors from your environment. And this is what you want to focus on when reducing estrogen. Simple lifestyle changes, gentle detoxification to eliminate those potential triggers that you put on, in or around your body. So that's alcohols, phytoestrogens from foods like soy, xenoestrogens in the chemicals in your skincare, makeup and cleaning products. So I talked a lot about hormone disruptors and xenoestrogens in episode 24 of the podcast, household items that may be affecting your fertility. Basically, though, the chemical structure of these artificial estrogens that are found in skincare, makeup, cleaning products are very similar to the chemical structure of the hormone estrogen. And this means that the artificial estrogens will bind to the same chemical receptors in our body that estrogen binds to. So if all of our estrogen receptors are being blocked up with these artificial forms of estrogen or chemicals with a very similar structure, then there is excess estrogen floating around with no receptors to bind to. And if estrogen can't bind to its receptors, then it can't do its job. So the body thinks there isn't enough estrogen and so it produces more. And this is the beginning of that vicious cycle. Step two is to manage stress. So I've talked to death about stress and why stress is so impactful on your cycle and your fertility. And stress always plays its part. Stress leads to increased cortisol levels, which in turn leads to lower progesterone levels, further widening that balance between the two. Because the same precursor to cortisol in production of cortisol is being used for the production of progesterone. So managing your stress means that more of this precursor can be diverted to progesterone production and less is being diverted for cortisol production. Step three is to tweak your diet. And there are two really key ways that you can do this. So the first is with fiber intake. And when it comes to diet, consuming fiber can really help to flush that excess estrogen from the body. So excess hormones that aren't being used and are just floating around the body for want of a better term, they can bind to fiber. And this means that they're flushed out of the body instead of being redistributed. So a really easy way to boost your fiber is to add a tablespoon of psyllium husk to smoothies or muesli every morning. So almost all health conditions that are related to hormone imbalance can be helped by adding some extra fiber in the diet. This helps the liver, the detoxification organ, to do its job more effectively. So that's a really simple solution if you have any sort of hormonal imbalance. Another really simple way to help with hormone balance and something that I recommend all the time is seed cycling. Seeds help to support menstrual cycle health by supporting the production, the binding abilities and the metabolism of hormones. So basically different nuts, seeds and grains that we use in seed cycling have different types and amounts of lignans and essential fatty acids. So lignans help our body to bind up these excess hormones and essential fatty acids can't be produced by the body. So we need these in our diet to produce hormones. 
So let's break down how seed cycling actually works. In the first half of the menstrual cycle and the follicular phase, you want to consume about one tablespoon each of flax seeds and pumpkin seeds. Again, you can put these in smoothies, muesli, salads, anything that you eat regularly and you can just pop it in and not notice. Flax seeds contain lignans, which binds to excess estrogen and make sure that levels don't get too high as estrogen levels rise to prepare for ovulation. And pumpkin seeds are really high in zinc and they support the release of progesterone. Once you've confirmed ovulation and you've moved on to the second half of your cycle, your luteal phase, you're going to switch to sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. Sesame seeds, just like flax seeds, will bind to excess estrogen. And sunflower seeds are really high in selenium, a nutrient that is essential for hormone health and fertility. Of course, it goes without saying that managing your hormone balance is a very individualized process, and I highly recommend working with a healthcare professional if your hormone imbalance is at a point where your cycle is being affected and you're seeing a long follicular phase or a short luteal phase. We want this to be under control before trying to conceive or getting pregnant, because remember, your fertility is a state of health. So a wonky cycle is still a problem, even if you're not trying to get pregnant right now. So let's recap now the three key reasons why your cycle may not be fertile, as well as three easy ways to help fix this problem. Reason one, your luteal phase is too short. So in, w- with this reason, we talked about luteal phase defects and why the length of your luteal phase matters. Reason two, you are not ovulating consistently. We looked at stress pattern cycles, why ovulation testing doesn't work for irregular cycles and the link between a long follicular phase and estrogen dominance. Finally, reason number three, you are only thinking about fertility as making babies and not as a state of health. And this is why hormones are the very first point of disruption when the body is under some form of stress. So what do you do if your cycle isn't fertile? First, step one, you eliminate hormone disruptors from your environment to avoid estrogen dominance. Step two, you manage your stress levels to promote progesterone production. And step three, you tweak your diet by boosting your fiber intake and practicing seed cycling. Have you seen any of these issues in your cycle? Or have you already made some changes to fix these problems and you've started seeing some results? I would love to know. As always, you're welcome to email or DM me and share your experiences. I love to chat. You can get today's show notes with everything that I talked about in this episode, as well as links to freebies and the other related episodes that I talked about at fertilityco.com.au forward slash 50. That reminds me, it is episode number 50 of the podcast. I feel like that should be acknowledged and celebrated. I feel like the amount of time I've been doing this podcast for, we should be well above 50 episodes by now, but we'll ignore that. Hopefully it doesn't take as long to hit 100. Bye for now. And don't forget that knowledge is power. When you truly understand your body, you are empowered to make informed decisions and take control of your health. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Fertility Co. podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Fertility Co., slide on into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit fertilityco.com.au forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time.
Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone. Wear the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. TempDrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where TempDrop steps in to provide clear, science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my TempDrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash TempDrop for more information.